This podcast has been created as part of NDMU Student Radio. Like the sweet apple which reddens upon the topmost bough, atop the topmost twig, which the pluckers forgot somehow, forget it not, nay, but got it not, for none could get it till now. Like the wild hyacinth flower, which on the hills is found, which the passing feet of shepherds forever tear and wound, until the purple blossom is trodden in the ground. This has been One Girl by Sappho. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Wolanski, and welcome to That's What She Said, a weekly women's history podcast. This week, we'll be looking at the ancient Greek poet Sappho. Sappho was born in the middle of the Archaic period in ancient Greece around 615 BCE on the island of Lesbos. Archaic Greek lasted from about 700 to 480 BCE. This was the period that saw the rise of city-states and Greek colonization of the Mediterranean region. Archaic Greece is known for its art, and it is the period of the Peloponnesian League. The Isle of Lesbos was one of these city-states and where a certain aristocratic poetess was born. Sappho was born and lived most of her life in the city of Mytilene, which was the main city on the island. She was born to an aristocratic family and rose above her societal expectations. Women of her stature were expected to run the household and raise children. Sappho is an exception to that rule. She was a famed lyrical poet which was not a common career for a woman. Not much is known about her personal life, but what is known is that she had three brothers and married a name named Circleus and had a daughter with him named Cleus. Many of the other facts about her life are debated among historians. Along with the lack of information about her life, most of her poetry has not survived to today. And when there are fragments of her work, it is still missing a vital element, music, because Sappho was a lyrical poet. Lyrical poetry is a form of poetry that is meant to be read or sung to music like traditional songs are performed today. Technically, musicians and songwriters are lyric poets in their own rights. Imagine reading lyrics to a song and not knowing the music to go with it or even knowing what type of music should go with it. Sappho's poems are constructed in a scheme invented by her, the Sapphic Stanza. The stanzas are characterized by a four-line stanza with the first three lines having 11 syllables, and the last line has only five syllables. One of the reasons why we do not have much of her works is the Sappho wrote in a different dialect of Greek than the Attic Greek or the Greek spoken by residents of Athens, or the Homeric Greek, the dialect used to write the Odyssey. Her poetry was not copied by scholars because they didn't know her dialect. Her work was also lost due to the passing of time, and what was once nine volumes of poems has been reduced to papyrus fragments. Time, bookworms, neglect, and natural causes took their toll, reducing what was once those beautiful volumes in the Library of Alexandria to the few tiny fragments we have today. Sappho's work is characterized by its topic and is most well-known as portraying love between two women, which has led to the adoption of two terms relating to Sappho to be used to describe homosexual women. The term lesbian comes from the Isle of Lesbos where she lived, and the other term sapphic is derived directly from her name. This has led to a common misconception stated by many historians that her work was destroyed by the church for being indecent due to her topics and the morals associated with a woman writing love songs, and within those love songs being two women in love. Not all historians see Sappho as lesbian goddess like the LGBTQ community and the internet see her. 
stating that her work should not be read as a biography because of how little we know about her and how little of her work that we have. I will leave this interpretation up to you, the listener. Do you see Sappho as a homosexual hero or a misunderstood woman? Overall, Sappho has had a lasting legacy in ancient Greece and also today. 300 years after her death, playwrights of the new comedy style portrayed her as a promiscuous lesbian, leading to the characterization of her today by modern accounts. It is unknown if she truly was or if this was a dramatization and exaggeration of her her as a person. Her visage also appeared on coins during antiquity as well. Not much is known about the end of her life. Some put her dying young and taking her life by jumping off a cliff out of heartbreak, and others put her death from old age around 550 BCE. It has also been thought that she ran school for young women, but this has also been attributed to her protege, Demophilia. She was also exiled from about 604 to 594 BCE for unknown reasons. Some say it was for political reasons, and others state that it is unknown. Her fame was strong enough for Plato and Solon to sing her praise and some of her work to still be visible today, and statues to be constructed of her in her honor. Staffa remains to be one of my favorite women in history, an important one as well. It is a shame that so much of her story and her works have been lost to time. What remains is one intact poem along with, the, with fragments and quotes and works by other people. Her work is truly amazing. And the rest of this episode will be a reading of her works. And again, I'm your host, Molly Wolanski, and you're listening to That's What She Said, the weekly podcast about women in history. Immortal Aphrodite on your intricately brocaded throne, child of Zeus, weaver of wiles, this I pray. Dear lady, don't crush my heart with pains and sorrows. But come here, if ever before, when you heard my far-off cry, you listened, and you came, leaving your father's house, yoking your chariot of gold. Then beautiful swift sparrows led you over the black earth, from the sky through the middle air, whirling their wings into a blur. Rapidly they came, and you, O blessed goddess, a smile on your immortal face, asked what happened this time, why did I call again? And what did I especially desire for myself and my frenzied heart? What, who this time am I to persuade to your love, Sappho? Who is doing you wrong? For even if she flees, soon she shall pursue. And if she refuses gifts, soon she shall give them. If she doesn't love you, soon she shall love even if she is unwilling. Come to me now once again and release me from grueling anxiety. All that my heart longs for, fulfill, and be yourself my ally in love's battle. Some say an army of horsemen, some of foot soldiers, some of ships, is the fairest thing on the black earth, but I say is what one loves. It's very easy to make this clear to everyone for Helen, by far surpassing mortals in beauty, left the beast of all husbands, and sailed to Troy, mindful of neither her child nor her dear parents, but with one glimpse, she was seduced by Aphrodite, for easily bent and nimbly, missing text, has reminded me now of Anacortia, who is not here. I would much prefer to see the lovely way she walks and the radiant glance of her face than the war chariots of Lydians or their foot soldiers in arms. This was a fragment translated by Julia Dobnoff. Say what you would like about Sharaxos. 
There is a fellow with a fat-bellied ship in some port or other. What does Zeus care or the rest of his gang? Now you like me on my knees, crying out to Hera, blah, 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 bring him home safe and free of warts or blubbering. Wah, 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 thank you. Thank you for curing my liver condition, good grief. Gods what do what they like. They call down hurricanes with a whisper or send off a tsunami the way you would a love letter. If they have a whim, they make some henchmen. Fix it up like those idiots in the Iliad. A puff of smoke, a little fog, away goes the hero. It's happily ever after. As for Laricos, that lay abed lives for the pillow. If for once he'd get off his ass, he might make something of himself. Then from that reeking sewer of my life, I might haul up a bucket of spring water. Caraxos and Laricos, translated by William Logan. He is dying, Aphrodite. Luxuriant Adonis is dying. What should we do? Beat your breasts, young maidens, and tear your garments in grief. Translated by Julia Dobnoff. Virginity, virginity, where will you go when you have left me? I'll never come back to you, bride. I'll never come back to you. Translated by Julia Dobnoff. Death is an evil. That's what the gods think, or they would die. Also translated by Julia Dobnoff. I ask myself, what Sappho can you give me? Give one who has everything, like Aphrodite? Translated by Mary Barnard. It's no use, mother dear. I can't finish my weaving. You may blame Aphrodite, soft as she is. She has almost killed me with the love for that boy. Translated by Mary Barnard. Thank you for listening, and tune in next week for the next Woman in History. Again, you're listening to That's What She Said the weekly podcast about women in history.